gives you two choices when it throws everything at you. You can let it swallow you whole or you take those lemons. And as the old saying goes, you turn it into sweet, delicious lemonade. And that's exactly what this podcast is all about. Welcome to Lemonade. I'm your host, Elizabeth O'Neill, and I'll be sharing the incredible stories from inspiring people who've turned the hardest times in their life, their lemons into lemonade. Because let's be real, we all want to know how they did it, the lessons they learnt, and what life is like sipping limoncello on the other side. Let's get juicing. Okay, so here's the thing about Kate Melvinen. She's honestly unlike anyone I've ever met. She's brilliant and inspiring and funny and empowering and her energy and enthusiasm for life is infectious. I was hanging off her every word and I could have sat and chatted to her for hours. Kate was a celebrated makeup artist before turning her focus to homewares with an exquisite shop on the Gold Coast. She fell head over heels with the man she describes as the absolute love of her life. But not long after giving birth to their beautiful little girl, Annabelle, she discovered her husband was using ice. His addiction eventually becoming so severe, she had no choice but to flee with her daughter. Then, after experiencing strange body aches, eventually she was told she had terminal lung cancer with just 6 to 24 months to live. But as a solo mom, dying simply isn't an option. Her little girl needs her. So for the last year, she's dedicated her life to saving her life. And that includes everything her doctors have prescribed her here, in addition to regular trips to a clinic in Mexico called Hope for Cancer, which she credits with reducing her tumour by a staggering 75% after just three weeks of treatment shocking her doctors back home. We laughed, we cried, we chatted, and I felt like I'd known Kate my entire life. So grab the tissues and strap yourself in because this one will stay with you for some time. Enjoy. Kate, thank you so much for joining us on the Lemonade Podcast. My absolute pleasure. Welcome. Thank you for having me in the Gold Coast, although I did think it would be a little bit warmer, so I'm blaming you slightly. Look, it it is supposed (laughs) to be warmer. I was certainly in the pool a couple of days ago with my daughter, you know, frolicking around, but it's it's chilly. It's jacket weather. So, yeah, um, yeah, Yeah. they say always bring the weather with you, and I don't – have you brought the weather with you? I literally have. Okay, so I'll blame myself then, not you. (laughs) Now, Kate, with everyone I interview, I love to get a feel of what their life was like. I don't know, when you're a child, it feels so simple, simplistic. Yeah. When you're at high school, yeah. Yeah. what were you like? How did people describe you and what was your childhood like? Well, I don't know they describe me very politely. No, I'm kidding. I, um, look, I'm from England and I've always been, I, I love people. I like laughing. I've always had friends around. I'm social, active. Went to university over there, studied fine art, majored in photography. And when I was 20, I moved to Australia. I came backpacking with a then boyfriend and 20 years on, I'm still here. And it's, it's been a blessing. I love Australia. Yeah, and you've had a few different career paths as well. Is that right? When, I was, when I've had a stalk of you, you've, I feel like you've done everything. No, well, no, no, no. It's only two main ones. So, yeah, I studied photography. I went into film makeup. So that was, I was, was trained over here in Australia by an Oscar winner called Peter Frampton. He trained me to be a film makeup artist. One of my first jobs was, I was very lucky, I, was, I went to London and worked on one of the Harry Potters back oh there. Oh, my God. I know, pretty big. <laughs> Came back here, worked mainly in, in TV and film for Channel 7, Big Brother, Celebrity Get Me Out of Here. And then I went to LA, studied in... In LA and did film makeup and look I, I loved that I, I taught at an academy in Brisbane the academy of makeup it was all always makeup 
related. And then in 2013, I had a complete change of direction. And I went, I know, I'm going to sell homewares. <laughs> so and look, I now have a beautiful shop called Maison and Maison on the Gold Coast in Burley Heads. I have an online store, I do wholesale. I travel for work. So I went recently went to Morocco and I sourced beautiful Moroccan pieces. I import from India as well, lovely furniture. So yeah, life's been quite colourful for me, I have to say. Oh, well, that's a testament to the house that we're sitting in, your beautiful, beautiful apartment. I know the podcast isn't the best medium to describe to you all what it looks like, but it's just, it's just absolutely beautiful. Can only imagine what your shop looks like. Thank you. Well, it almost looks identical to my apartment, actually. (laughs) (laughs) I have one of everything. It's a small apartment, but we've squeezed one of everything in. So we're happy. We're happy here. And what did you love about Australia so much? What made you want to stay? what's not to love? You know, the the weather, the culture, the beach, the happiness. You wake up in the morning and the sun is shining. You're happy. Mm. In England, it's constantly grey. You know, for eight months a year, it's grey, it's wet, Mm, it's cold. There's a lot of drinking to be done in England because what else do you do? Mm. There's a lot of drug use, you know? So on a Sunday afternoon here, I would be at the beach with my daughter flying a kite, riding a bicycle, whereas over there I'd be sitting in a pub, eating a pie and drinking a pint. Oh, wow. So it's much, much healthier here. Yeah. People are fun. There's less pressure. It's a great place to live. And did you say you've been here for 20 years? 20 years now, yeah. And no intention yeah. to ever go back to the UK, no. you don't think? No. Look, I mean, I, a couple of times when my life has hit crisis, which I'm sure we're going to touch upon, I said, okay, I need to go home to be with my family. Mm. But <laughs> getting there, I went, actually, no, I don't. I need to actually, get back to no. the beach. You know, and I do have my sort of... Uh, you know, a Gold Coast family. I've got friends that stepped into the roles of, you know, what would be sisters or uncles or brothers or things. So, and then lots of my friends' parents have become, you know, parent roles. And I have my in-laws as well. And we're very, very close. So, you know, I've got my own little family. Might not be blood, but they're my family here. Absolutely. And did you meet your now ex-husband here as well? Is I he did. Australian? I did, yes. Well, he's not, he's originally from Scotland, but he'd been here for 20, 30 years. So, yeah, he was an Aussie, sort of. And what was your relationship like when you were oh, first together? Oh, don't. <laughs> you made me cry. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> it was it was amazing. It was amazing. Yeah, I adored everything about him. Every part of me loved every part of him. We had our moments. I liked to make money. He liked to spend money. I liked to clean. He didn't. You know, there, there were things in, in any relationship, but we had a lot of fun. We were very much in love. I used to call it our love bubble. And he was my LOMFL, the love of my fucking life. I'm glad we didn't get tattoos. Like We were we organized to do that. So, yes, I adored him. I adored him. I'm sure you're going to touch on, on why he's not in my life now. Yeah. But, yeah, I've been heartbroken for quite some time. Was it always the plan for you both to have children as yes. well? Yes, from the moment we met. He had to, has two children from a previous relationship, mm-hmm. but from when we met. Yeah, he even before we were engaged, he, he imported from Java, from the master puppeteer over there, a hand-carved Pinocchio, and he said, this is for our baby's room when we have a baby. So it's all, always our intention to extend our family and have a child. And then you did have Annabelle. We did. Your beautiful little girl. My beautiful little girl. She's now three. Yeah, she's, she's amazing. Annabelle Rose. She's... She's the love of my life now. And, yeah, she's she's my, my reason to live. She's my purpose for a lot of things. And when did you, you know, for the, there'll be a lot of people listening that don't know what happened yeah. between the two of you. Yeah. Would you mind giving us a little bit of an Absolutely. insight into that Absolutely. and when you noticed a change in his behaviour. Yeah, okay, so we felt pregnant. It took us a while, a year and a half, and absolutely elated when I was pregnant. So I was living, you know, the pregnant mum life, really, I suppose, so I was going to all pregnancy Pilates mm. and eating organically and, you know, it's all about the baby and doing the... And, yeah, he was his, his, his actions were a little bit off, but I couldn't quite pinpoint what, and it was about three weeks after we'd had our little girl that it was discovered he was using ice, methamphetamine. And to cut the story short supported him who through that he went into rehab out of rehab back into rehab out of rehab and you know 
Disgusting. Oh, well, you're managing a newborn baby. Newborn baby. And I, but I loved him so much. So, and I found out about affairs and prostitutes and, and theft and he lost his job and it was a downward spiral, but I still loved him so much. Mm. And I was naive enough to say, you know what? My love for this man will bring him through. We will be absolutely fine. Got to the point where Annabelle was one year old. I found her on the floor with an ice pipe in her hand. It had obviously fallen out of his shorts or something. I approached him and said, you know, dude, I thought you were giving this up. And he said, you're a neglectful woman, you know, because I'd allowed Annabelle to pick up a knife. Oh but, you know, um, yeah. so at, at this point, when it started affecting my little girl like that, we had to go. So we packed up and, and, and moved out. And then to this point, he's been living on the streets, using intravenously. Our ice has got him and it's very, very sad. So we haven't seen him for two years. Annabelle doesn't know who her dad is. Mm. She talks about him. She says, I miss my daddy and I love my daddy. Does that hurt when oh she my says God. things like that? <laughs> Yeah, that's when, the, you know, the tears just, just come. And I said, look, I'm sure your daddy loves you very much. Yeah. I don't want to be one of those mums that bag that, you know, and he was an arsehole and he was this. And he was a great man. He was a wonderful man. I still like to think of him in positive light, not negative. But the ice epidemic is, is huge. Evil. It's huge. It's a pandemic. Yeah. It's, it's taken better men than him. It'll take teachers and solicitors and police and lawyers. So it's a heart-wrenching story. Oh, it absolutely is. Was there any, apart from that incident with the the pipe, were there any times that you feared for her safety or or was that just the the one incident and you thought, right, that's enough now? He wasn't, he was a neglectful father. You know, he was neglectful because he he had other things on his mind, Mm. you know. So, but no, I don't think he would hurt or, or harm her. I'd like to think that he wouldn't hurt or harm me, but the drug is king. Mm. So over anything, over marriage, over his parents, over his, you know, his, he had other children as well, the drug was the king and that was pulling him down all the time. So no, I don't think she was ever physically in danger, mm. but it comes to a point where you have to say no. And I've said no so many times, I'd threatened to leave, but I just adored him and yeah. I wanted, and I just thought we could get through it. Yeah. Um, so that was when I said, okay, it's, it, time's up, we've got to go. What was it like walking? away from the man you describe as the the absolute love of your life. Can you stop? You keep making me cry. I'm sorry. Oh, my God, my eyes. It was, without doubt, the hardest thing I've ever done. And I've done some pretty hard Mm. things in my time, but that was the hardest thing I've ever done. And I sunk quite rapidly into a depression. And nothing was going to bring me out of that depression. Nothing made me happy. You know, even looking at my my little girl who's one, who is the, you know, the sunshine of my life, didn't make me happy. Yeah, well, Hanging out with friends didn't make me happy. There was nothing that put a smile on my face. I was I was in a very dark place. What did you do to get out of that dark place? Um, I, I went on to antidepressants. There's, yeah. there's no other way I could have got through life, I don't think. I mean, I was I was suicidal. I not only thought about it, I'd planned it, you know, which is horrific to think that this situation could take me away from life, could take me away from my daughter. But And, yeah, the antidepressants, you know, worked, worked. And I'm, and I'm, I'm just very recently, in fact, last week came off them. I'm really wow. happy I did. So, but so they, they literally saved your life. They saved my life. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then you started life as a solo mum, which for yeah. anyone who knows how that how <laughs> difficult that is, yeah. then you're responsible for everything, the finances, where you live, your food, everything like that. How did it feel, I guess, that pressure of being responsible for every facet of both of your lives? Why? It, 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 the fact that it wasn't option, it wasn't something that I opted into. It wasn't a choice. It was something, you just go into auto drive. It happens. You know, she has to be at kindy at this time and I have to do a food shop and I have to make sure that, you know, she's enrolled in swimming and you just do it automatically, I think, because I am her sole parent. I'm her sole carer. So everything she gets is from me. You know, I have no financial assistance. I run my own business. My parents live in UK. So it was all down to me. I could yeah. rely on my mother-in-law. She's, she and I are very, very close. 
person. She takes care of Annabelle one day a week, which is a huge weight off my shoulders. Is that really important and special for you as well for Annabelle to have her dad's side in her life like that through his mum? It's not even necessarily that it's through her dad. It's more important that she has family. Yeah. You know, she needs to have a relationship with her two sisters. She's got two half-sisters. We're still very close. She should have a relationship with her grandparents. I mean, her other grandparents are in England, so it's really important. So an extended family. So from his side of the family, there's cousins and aunties. And, yeah, she. we all need family in whatever shape or form. So I want her to be connected with as many people as possible. So I do nurture those relationships. And, you know, we're still... We still have Christmas together. You know, yeah. his, his, his children are missing their dad. His parents are missing their son. I'm missing my husband. Annabelle's missing her father, you know. So we're, we're all in this together. We're very united. Oh, I can't even imagine that drug is absolutely positively evil. It's just... It really is. It really is. It's foul. And then last year you were exercising a lot. You'd started a new exercise regime and yes. you started having some aches and pains, which, are, you know, feels so normal when you start so exercising. So, you know, I had yeah. a rough year and I was, you know, in depression and on antidepressants and living on my own and it was turmoil. So, you know, I've probably drinking a bottle of wine and I, mm. as, as we do, as we do, kids in bed, brilliant, my best friend could be a bottle of wine tonight. <laughs> and then I went, come on, cut out of this, you know, because I'm an active girl, I'm, I'm a go-getter, I'm, you know, I'm a force when I need to be. So I started going to the gym four, five, six times a week and I was loving it. I had a personal trainer and I feel like you're very black or white all or nothing all or nothing absolutely there's no grey zone here that's it that's it so I had a personal trainer and you know created a great relationship there but oh I got a pain in my back and then it was in my shoulders then it was in my spine and went to the doctor they said go see a Cairo so I did for a couple of months Mm. the pain was still there but I still pushed on at the gym halfway through the year I started coughing blood and I sort of said and I took photos and I said to a friend of mine is this bad and she said oh yeah probably get it checked out went Mm. to the doctor said oh it's just bronchitis sent me away two weeks later coughing more blood bronchitis my feet started to see I'm still going to the gym at this point I'm still loving it and I was looking good I tell you I was looking fit and toned and my feet started getting really sore like some days I could hardly walk and I didn't know what that was and I went back to the doctor again and they put me on painkillers and Long story short was I went back again for more painkillers, but I said, I've got a slight pain in my chest. We got, we got x-rays that day and I was sent for a CT scan. The results came back that you have stage four terminal lung cancer. Tests went ahead. My parents flew from England and everyone's thinking, this is awful. I'm thinking, no, it'll be fine. It'll be absolutely fine. Mm. I'm a non-smoker. I'm 39. I go to the gym. It's just the results came back that you have lung cancer. It's in your liver. It's in your lymph nodes. It's in your lungs. Your hips, your your ribs, your spine, your shoulders, there's nothing we can do for you. And, um, oh, you know, let's do chemo, right? there's nothing we can do for you. So I was, um, you know, suddenly your, your world stops spinning. Mm. And I look at my little girl and I just, you know, she was she was two. Yeah. And I knew that I had to do, do something. I had to fight. I didn't know how to do it. I had to do something. So... I was put on a targeted therapy drug. They said, well, this might get you 18 to 24 months to live. 18 to 24. Oh I've got a two-year-old. So by the time I, she'll be, she'll be, I won't even be five. She'll be four years old. So, you know, my head was spinning. My heart was broken. The tears didn't stop. My family were here. We were just stare at each other. We didn't, there were no words. Yeah. You know, I mean, I was pretty much told to, you know, get your affairs in order because this is what's going to happen. And didn't one of them say as well, just go home and drink wine and enjoy the last I of went your time to my with your GP. Because it's my belief that sugar feeds cancer. I'm, I've now gone the alternate route. Sugar feeds cancer. So I said to my GP, look, you know, sugar feeds cancer. I won't be drinking anymore. She said, that's ridiculous, Kate. Now's the time you should drink. Go home, drink that wine, spend time with your daughter, create some memories before Just you die. Just give up. Give up. Mm. So I was told by a radiologist, GP, an oncologist and a lung specialist, there's nothing we can do for you. So for two very dark days, I thought I was going to die. 
childhood? How did you get up out of bed? What's running through your mind? Because How I had a child. Out of bed? I have to get out of yeah. bed, you know. And I would, you know, we would go to bed at night, and she'd be with me, and I'd be crying into her hair, and she'd say, "Mummy, why is my hair wet?" And I'd have to say, "Oh, Bubba, that's just your bop bop." And she'd say, "Oh, silly, Mummy," you know. And they just. You know, memories like that, you, you can't shake those. So I've got a little girl who needs her mummy more than anything in the world. I've been told you are going to die. We cannot do anything. Take this drug. You know, we'll get you another six, eight months. Luckily, bumped into a friend of a friend and he said, you know, there's other ways. There's other ways. There's a clinic. It's called Hope for Cancer and it's in Mexico. You should think about going. I went to see an, a naturopath who studies oncology and she said, Kate, there's other ways. There's a clinic in Mexico. It's called Hope for Cancer. She yeah. said, give it a... By this stage, I thought, I'm going to have to go. I'm going to have to go. There's a three-week program. So I'm two weeks into diagnosis. There was a three-week program over there, and I thought, oh, that's a lot of money. It's about 30000 I called them up, $65,000. Wow. I said, I can't afford that. Right on cue, my little girl ran into the room. I'm looking at this beautiful two-year-old. I said, you know what? I can afford anything. I called them up. I said, sign me out. I'm coming. I didn't know what I was going into. I've never been to Mexico. You know, we hear about drug warfare mm. and the cartel and I don't know what I'm doing I called a friend and said look I've got to go to Mexico will you come she said yeah the most incredible decision I've ever made within three weeks of being in Mexico the lung tumor had reduced by 75 percent I'd enter that clinic with seven cancerous lymph nodes in my and if anyone knows anything about cancer the lymph nodes are the last place you want to get it because oh, that's right, nasty okay. yeah seven cancerous lymph nodes in my throat after three weeks six disappeared by the time I had my first scan coming back to Australia, there was no cancer in my lymph nodes. At that first scan, the doctor said, wow, this is this is remarkable. The doctors here said that? Yeah. What did they put it down to? The drug they've, well, they put it down to the drug they've got me on. Yeah. But they've also said it's not going to save you. This isn't going to happen. One of them sort of gave me a bit of a wink, wink, nudge, nudge and said, continue whatever you're doing right they're not allowed to say that yeah they're not allowed to say that but I'm glad this particular doctor did you know so just to be clear and for people listening you do you up until now are still taking the drug that I'm still taking absolutely I've got a whole protocol so I do I do medication supplements I two different treatments every day I do I'm all into detoxing so I do a clonic every week I do coffee enemas every day I do four different injections every day I run IVs from home on my own I take about 20 different supplements, medications. I do juicing. I go to infrared saunas, full body hypothermia, anything I feel I can do. I do CBD. I do THC. I'm also on a dog worming protocol, which is which is a blocker for cancer cells. And these are called off-label drugs. So my saying is throw it in the pot and do the lot. I don't know what's working, what's not, but something is. So I'm going to do the whole damn lot. And that's what I really I found really refreshing about your Instagram, which I think it's important to be clear about as well. You say, I'm not a doctor. I don't know. I, I can't know. tell what you what no. to do, but this is my journey and this is what I'm doing and I'm doing everything the doctors here and Western medicine is telling me to do, but I'm just going to do everything else on top of it. Absolutely. Because yeah. I don't have any, yes. I don't have time to waste basically. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I mean, look, so confident the doctors are here that I'm going to die. I've had my life insurance paid out. Mm. So luckily that assists me in paying to get the treatment that I need from Mexico. So I've pretty much given up work from my store and I say I've dedicated my life to saving my life. Mm. So 12 months in, it's pretty, not 12, sorry, 12, 12 months, yeah, 12 months in and I am pretty much 90% cancer free. Oh my God. Yeah, from, from being told you might only have six months to live 
So next week I'm going to LA. I've got some TV interviews to do over there because people have jumped on my story. This yeah. is remarkable. You know, this is, I'm told that it's not going to happen. You're going to die. And suddenly I've never felt healthier. I've never looked healthier. And you do, you, I could not <laughs> believe when I first, when I got here and I met Kate, like she is so energetic. She carried all my bags up and she's running around and I forgot things in the car. And I just said, you've got so much energy. I do have energy. Well, more energy because than I'm, I'm living such a non-toxic life. You know, I, I'm at home running my own IVs this morning. Not legal. You're not supposed to do it, but by gosh, I'm I'm going to because I know it's saving my life. Vitamin C gives me the boost. I'm doing curcumin, which is anti-inflammatory. Mm. Everything I'm doing is non-toxic. It's natural. I feel great. And throughout my home, we've got non-toxic candles, cleaning products, my face cream, my body cream. There's no chemicals in my house anymore. I eat organically. I eat veganly. Is veganly even a word? <laughs> it is now. It is now. Get the source. But I'm, I'm doing absolutely everything in my power to make sure I live a long and healthy life for my little girl. It doesn't sound like there was any time for you to sit around moping and feeling sorry no, for yourself. No, people say you must have dark days. I've never had a dark day since getting to the clinic in Mexico. Not one single day. My idea of a dark day is... If the car doesn't start, if, oh, shit, I've got to do the washing up this morning or, you know, Annabelle's having a little hissy fit, mm. that's a dark day. But, you know, that's called life. I do not think about cancer. I don't even like that word. It's mm. a C word to me and they're rude. Let's not use those words. I certainly don't see myself as a cancer patient. I see myself as a cancer fighter. It's in my body, but it's soon to be gone. Yeah. And that's what I found really, really interesting too when I was researching, doing my research is you don't attend like cancer galas or cancer uh, support groups uh, or anything like that, which I uh, is fascinating. (laughs) Can you talk us through why you don't Um, do that? I know. And I always put this out there. Some people say, "How how do you remain so positive? Pure ignorance. I know nothing about cancer. I don't want to know about cancer. People want to talk to me about their cancer. I want to walk in the other room. You know, people say, hey, let's have a lunch all together and we can talk about cancer. I couldn't think of anything worse. I'll go to that lunch and we can talk about men and willies and tequila. Um, but otherwise, I don't, I don't want... You know, I got invited to a... Um, I did get invited to a, a gala, a lung cancer gala ball. But, and I went, oh, lovely. I've never worn a ball gown. I'd love yeah. to go to that. But when I refused to join their, their committee and, and, you know, their cancer group, I got uninvited. Yeah. No, I don't want to know about cancer. I just need to know how to fight it. So people go, I've read 40 books on cancer. I've read zero. zero yeah. There are two that are sitting on my shelf that I may well read at some point. But at the moment... I have the best doctor in the world called Dr. Tony Jimenez. He owns the clinic in Mexico. He's got my back. And so I just put it, put, I put it down to him. He's amazing. It's phenomenal. I found another thing, so, much, so many things on your Instagram I found super interesting. But one was as well that you got to a point where you felt almost a little bit obsessed with cancer, though. Oh, you were completely. thinking about it too much. You were, it just, it just consumed you, the fight, I guess. The, the, the fight, yeah. not cancer itself, the mm. fight. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it would, you know, to mm. be given such an awful prognosis, and everyone said, there's nothing we can do. I have to live. There's no, there's no plan B. There's no option. Okay, well, what will happen to my daughter? We, I mean, when I was first diagnosed, it was like, okay, who's going to adopt my child? Mm. You know, what's going to happen to her? Get your affairs in order, you know, get the apartment sorted. But now it's, no, I'm booking holidays and trips and things for next year. So it was only when I was taken out of this situation. I, I did a business trip to Morocco and no one knew my story there. No one knew. Mm. And I didn't have to talk about it. didn't have to think about it. I couldn't take my treatments with me. Mm. It was only when I was leaving that week in Morocco, I sat at the airport and I sobbed like a child. And I said, I don't want to go back into that world of cancer. But 
this is my life for now. And the results are, are amazing. So in the morning, yeah, I get up and I take Annabelle to kindy and I say, mummy's off to work now. I come home. I've got coffee on the boil, not to drink, no cappuccinos in this house, but I need to do a coffee and I'm every day to detox. I'm running IVs. I'm doing injections. I'm doing tablets. I've got infrared saunas to go to. I've got hyperbaric oxygen. And then I pick up Annabelle at four in the morning. She says, mummy, did you have a good day at work? And I go, yeah, babe, I did. Yeah. I did. So it is very consuming. It has to be. Yeah. It has to be because, you know, I have had a fight and I'm winning that fight and I think the results are there to show it. And all these the things that you say you do every day, is that all what you learned in Mexico? Yes. And would you mind running us through what that's like in Mexico? Yeah, okay. So over there, I mean, it's a beautiful clinic. It's state-of-the-art clinic. It's amazing. Over there, they don't treat cancer. They treat the patient with the cancer. So it's, as I've, as I've mentioned, there's a lot of detox and getting the toxins out. They're trying to build your immune system, build your immunity so that your body can naturally fight the cancer. And then you can you can take your, your treatments, any medications as well. There's a lot of emotional therapy as well that goes into it. Mm. So my story, you know, of, of losing my husband to a drug addiction, they say you hold your grief in your lungs. So here I am diagnosed with terminal lung cancer. I've held that all in, that that grief and sorrow and upset and anger and resentment. And it bounced around my body like a ping pong ball. Mm. So now for me to move forward, I have to heal from that. And there's different ways we heal. Some people do it through breathing. Some people do it through meditation. Some people do it through counseling. Whatever way resonates with you. Most people that have cancer, they go, you know what? Something tragic did happen. I lost a family member. I got divorced. I lost my money. You know, whatever it was, we've, we've all had tragedy in our life. Mm-hmm. You know, you're a solo parent. You went through a horrible breakdown. I've just, you know, heard your story here. So we all carry something. Our work is, yeah, to deal with the physical side of it, but also deal with the emotional side of it as well. And what resonated with you over there? Which form of healing? Well, since I mean, look, I've, I have a psychologist and I have had since my marriage breakdown, but I also did do a lot of the breathing therapy has really worked. Heart opening has worked for, uh, for me. Finding the, the root cause is very important going, okay, well, how can I deal with this now? So forgiveness, letting go, you know, I'm not saying forgive and forget. I can't f- forget what's happened in my life, but I try and forgive and try and go, you know what? Okay. It's happened. Shit's happened. Move forward. Deal with it. Okay. Don't dwell on it. So and that's what I've got to do now. So every day I, I think of the positives. I've had the negative. I've had the grief. I've had the tears. I've had the heartache. I've had the suicidal, you know, tendencies. But now it's like, okay, let's be positive. Let's move on. Let's enjoy that sunshine that radiates upon us every day. Let's sink our feet into the sand and swim in the ocean and, you know, enjoy laughs from being around people and friends. So it's, it's just about remaining positive. And having a little blessing in Annabelle mm. as well, I'm sure, helps. What has she unknowingly how she unknowingly helped you with this battle? Because for those that don't know, you haven't told her what's going on No, as well. she doesn't know. She doesn't know. But on a daily basis, I, I, I honestly think she was put on this earth to save me. She saved my life without any doubt. Mm. Because there is no, there's no plan B. There's no, you know what? can't be bothered to do that today yeah. or I'm not going to it's, you know this is this is my job now is to stay alive I'm saving my life the life that the Australian doctors said they couldn't and I'm doing a really good job of it so Annabelle you know when when I was at my worst last year and we didn't know what was going on I would be going to bed at six o'clock at night Annabelle started sleeping in my bed because I couldn't stay awake long enough to put her to bed you know read her a story and give her a bot bot so she'd been with me and my feet weren't working properly I said I've just got a sore leg Baba. and since the very get-go I um I've told her I had to go away for work when I go away and it's been the hardest the hardest thing I've ever had to do was that first time going to Mexico leaving her behind 
not knowing, you know, if the treatment would work. You know, will I even make it back to Australia, leaving her behind? So my parents were here from England and I left them in my apartment and I've got my mother-in-law down the road and I said between the two of them, I said, you take care of Annabelle, I'll take care of me. Yeah. But no, she doesn't know. And she knows I'm going away soon. I said, you're off to stay with grandmas, aren't you? And she thinks, that's wonderful. She's going to have a wonderful time. And because mummy's got to go away for work. Now, I mean, the guilt of having to do that, you know, for three weeks at a time, four weeks at a time, because I'm on my fourth round now. But then I go, you know what? I put about the hundreds of thousands of, of dads and mums who do fly and fly out, FIFO. Yeah. It happens. You know, they go away to make money to come back to support the family. Well, I'm going away to save my life, to come back, to be, live a long, fruitful life with my little girl. And why, what is, what's the reasoning behind the decision of not telling her? Oh, she's, she's got her whole world to hear about cancer. She's three years old. She doesn't need to know about cancer. We're all affected by it. One in two people are going to have cancer within the next 20 years. People are dying left, right and centre from this, you know, insidious disease. So she doesn't need to know that word. Again, it's a C word. I wouldn't say, you know, the other C word in front of her and I'm not going to say cancer in front of her either. So just protect our little, our little, our little people. They need protecting. You know, they need to know about Peppa Pig and Santa Claus and fairies and brushing their teeth and why they need to wash their hands. They need to know no more than that. Not, yeah. not in the world of cancer. Absolutely. And you're going back again next week, is that next right, for a week. fourth round? Fourth round. Look, I'm very, very, very privileged that I've been invited back by the clinic. I've been advocating for them for a long time. Not, I was never advocating to get something back, but they can see that, you know, how much I am preaching about them, telling telling everybody, that everyone needs to know about this clinic. People need to know about this clinic. So I, I respond to thousands of messages, you know, thousands, on, on a daily basis I get, you know, 20, 30 messages of people with cancer going, can you help me? I'm going, I can't help you, but I can direct you to people yeah. that can. So, yeah, I'm going there, but, as yeah, I've got I've got a couple of interviews lined up. One's on Good Morning La La Land in Los Angeles. It's amazing. I know, I know, and I think there's going to be another couple I've, I've connected with, a PR lady over there. And a similar story, she she's a solo mum and, you know, to bring up a little girl. And she said, look, I know your story. I want people to hear it. And I said, don't worry about my story. I want people to hear about the clinic story yeah. and, and what they're doing over there. So it's exciting times. I am excited to go away. I know a lot of people at the clinic. A lot of people are coming back for follow-up appointments. I know the owners of the clinic. So I'm going to enjoy my time over there, but I will be missing my, my little girl. Yeah, absolutely. And with all of this, and I have read you, you've talked about it a little bit, is the naysayers and the people that... Oh, yeah. Yeah, that, <laughs> are you so eloquently called someone who... Who went through you, Dick? How difficult is it to deal with people who are telling you you're doing the wrong thing or what you're saying is dangerous? It's funny how uh, the mentality of it. So, you know, I might have, you know, I might have 500 nice comments on 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 a post, and then it only takes one that puts you in a bit of a spin. So, someone told me that I would, you know pretty much full of shit. Someone told me that my story smells like Belle Gibson. Now, if you don't know Belle Gibson, she completely falsified her cancer and made a lot of money from it. And I'm like, hang on, I've been completely true and open from the very start. You can see. But a lot of people are very frightened of alternate therapies. A lot of people... They might have lost someone to cancer. They're very angry they've lost someone. They see someone actually winning the fight. And I think, you know, they get a little bit angry about that. So I think there have been three incidences that people have stepped forward and and had a crack at me. But I call them my wolf pack. I've got over 11,000 followers and they are phenomenal. They've got my back. They care for Annabelle and I and they reach out and they support us and they encourage us on a daily basis. So, you know, (laughs) these nasty comments come through. I go, oh, oh, the wolf packs are not going to like that. That. You know, and look, I, I don't mind people giving their opinion in, in, in a pleasant way, going, look, do you not think this situation or this or... But 
the naysayers can can go piss off, really. Yeah. I'm, yeah, they can see from the start. Go and watch my page from the very beginning. I've just been diagnosed to where I am now, and you'll, you'll see I'm a new me, and something is working. You did mention your following then, which is 11,000, 12,000 people who are following on your journey. Yeah. How therapeutic and important has it been for you to massively, share that? Massively, massively. So, look, I'm not I'm not a show pony. I don't have, you know, other than my cancer page, I would never, I've never had a personal Instagram page. I don't use Facebook. I'm not on Snapchat or Twitter. I'm not someone who's there in the public eye but I have a, a lovely little store in, in Burley it's a little town people knew I had cancer before I had cancer so people coming up to me and saying oh you've got cancer so obviously I've mentioned to a few close friends unfortunately one close friend mentioned it to the nail tech who mentioned it to the hairdresser who mentioned it so I was kind of put in a position where I either lie about my situation say no I'm absolutely fine or I go out and I and I talk about it so that's what I did and I am so thankful that I did because the the blessings, the kindness, the just on a daily basis, I know that there's a whole team of people out there, you know, mainly Australia, but also worldwide that are supporting us and encouraging, you know, it's not even the support, it's the encouragement because some things I think... What the fuck am I doing? I don't, yeah. I don't know what I'm doing. As I say, I'm not medically trained. Yeah. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm sitting in my own house giving myself IVs. I went and got a port illegally. Port is a little socket that you have put in your chest so you can run IVs into it. I'm not supposed to have this unless you're doing chemo. So everything I'm doing is very backdoor here and not very legal. But I've got a whole cheer, cheerleading team behind me going, yes, yes, yes. We want to see you get to the finish line. So it's an absolute blessing to have these that they're not people they're not strange they're, they're, I call them friends to have these friends and is that one of I think there's a few but one of the silver linings oh massively I mean there's I say that cancer has given me more than it's taken away and probably through counselling that those, those words have come to me because at the start you're effing this and no. effing that and why has <laughs> this happened and you know you're an asshole. and I've personified my cancer by the way mine's a man he's very big and he's very strong but he's not as quick and he's not as smart as me so I can call him an asshole. and hopefully I'll soon be saying soon goodbye but the, the blessings that have come my way that the friendships I've created the the happier lifestyle for Annabelle and I we're very healthy Annabelle says mummy are you eating organically tonight she's three yeah babe we are yeah. so the silver linings yeah the the, the Instagram following is one of them for sure and you've actually invested in a medicinal cannabis company can you talk us through that and you're one of the first in Australia to be prescribed which form of the first actually yeah so again through through this disease it was suggested I get on some 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 cannabis no doctor can give you cannabis for cancer so a lot we do go, you know, sort of back street to buy this. But there's, um, yeah, I'm involved in CDA, Cannabis Doctors Australia. So I was the first patient in Australia to be prescribed crystal cannabis. It's in a very pure form and I can vape that four times a day. There's no THC in it. So people talk about cannabis and think, oh, I'm going to get stoned. Mm. No, not at all. That's a whole different kettle of fish. That's THC I take at night. But in the day I vape that. And it is it is known to, to assist with, with cancer, to fight the cancer cells, to stop the cancer from growing. But really when you go to the doctor, you say I'm in a lot of pain and I have been in a lot of pain so I take CBD for pain but I've financially invested in this company because they are at the forefront of assisting other people assisting other patients throughout Australia on getting their hands on crystal cannabis does it make you furious when you see those old white 
men, male politicians sprouting that that it should never be legalized. Cannabis should never be legalized, and people I don't just need think it. They it just, just, you know, the, the cure for cancer was 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 known eighty five years ago, and that is cannabis. So I recently, I don't know if you saw, but I, I've done a couple of interviews for today tonight. So I took Channel Seven on a drug deal. So I took them down to Nimbin. Everyone knows we all get our drugs from Nimbin. I took them on the on a drug deal down there, and they said, you know, do you feel bad doing this? No, mm. not one part of me feels bad. They said, you know, it's illegal. I don't give a damn. Mm. I don't give a damn. The wrath of me, if anyone is to try and stop me on my path. So I'm running my own race here. But THC and CBD, they've got to be at the top of the the list of alternate therapies for cancer. Yeah, absolutely. And I would really like to give the listeners an insight into there is one form of treatment that you do in Mexico and you found somewhere that you do it he- somewhere you do it here as well. It's the hyperbaric chamber. Is that what it's called? The oxygen chamber? The or, oxygen do you mean, chamber. or do you mean the full body hyperthermia? The, yes. That, that one? one? Oh, it's horrific. Can you? I, Let me, I okay, don't so know how you do we that. We call it the pizza oven. Now, I live in Australia. It's, it's you know, you I live in Australia. I love the heat. I go to the beach a lot. So I'm thinking I'll be all right at this. So it's a full-size body pizza oven. You lay on a table. You've got this whole shell around you. Everything except your head is heated up. And I'm thinking that's going to be fine. You know, I've got my little iPod there or some Netflix going. They raise your body temperature very rapidly to hit fever point. So you want to hit 40, 41 degrees Celsius. And that kills off the, the, the cancer cells. I found a place here that does it as well, but it is the most horrific <laughs> treatment I have ever been through in my life. So in Mexico, we do it every second day. It kills off those cancer cells, which is incredible. But you have to fight the claustrophobia, the heat. Some people cry. I've cried. Some people scream. Some people refuse to go through it, but it works. So yeah, there's, there's a couple of places here in Australia. I've been doing it here, but in Australia, they believe you need to do it. So in Mexico, it's for 45 minutes every second day. Here we do it for two hours. How? Well, I've had to have sedation. I've had to have sedation. And and sometimes my arms are flaying out and I'm trying to get out of the machine and and nurses are pinning me down. (laughs) And I've sworn at them effing this. And I've had to give 10 gifts the next day. You know, get me the F out of here. But after after you're through it, you think, you know, thanks for keeping me in. Is it obviously the heat aside, does it give you that feeling that when you are unwell of that nausea and that, you know, it's just the heat. It's It's so intense. You know, I mean, your body is, is, is dripping with sweat. You know, which is which is uncomfortable. It, it's puddling with so it's just this intense heat, and it's constant, constant, constant heat. And you're looking at the clock, and I've got half an hour to go. I've got twenty minutes to go, and even the last two minutes, there's no better feeling than pushing yourself out of this machine, and you just collapse in a heap. I mean, just utterly exhausted. But you want cancer is a cold disease, so you want to keep your body as hot as possible. Yeah. So infrared saunas three times a week. Yeah. I have an infrared machine here. Exercise is fantastic. Whatever form you exercise, whether that's yoga, whether that's spin, pump, running, swimming. Keep your body nice and warm. And what in all of this battle and all this journey, experience, whatever you want to call it, has been the hardest part, do you think? Oh, without doubt, leaving my daughter. Without a doubt, it's leaving my daughter. And I suppose the the unknown. I mean, I'm pretty confident now that I'm going to get through this. I'm going to be, cancer comes back. I'm not going to say like, oh, cancer free, I'm done. When we don't use the word cured in the medical industry, you're never really cured from cancer. But I feel I will be cancer free pretty soon. That's been my game to be cancer free within 12 months of diagnosis because I want to prove it can be done. Mm-hmm. With every part of the protocol that I'm doing, I want to prove that it can be done. So that's why I'm fighting so hard. I could sit back and go, oh, just give it another six months. But I want to slam this. I want to be cancer free by the end of this year for sure. The hardest part just leaving my little girl and yeah as I said the start was the unknown is am I going to live am I going to die 
do I, you know, what do I need to do to put in place for her? So I have sat down with my in-laws and I have sat with friends and said, okay, if this situation was, but now I change it up. And now it's like, okay, if I'm knocked down by a bus or if I'm eaten by a great white shark, you know, what's going to happen to Annabelle then? I don't say if cancer gets yeah. me. Cancer will not get me. I'll be one of those old ladies jumping out of the plane when I'm 92, you know, doing a skydive. That's my belief. It's a plane going past now. So maybe that's, maybe that's a symbol from the universe. <laughs> maybe it is. <laughs> do you ever give thought to, I know you touched on it then, but give thought to, if the C word, because I don't even like to say it, yeah. if it does win, what what will happen? So if, if cancer was to beat me, I honestly haven't thought of that. I don't know. Mm. I don't know. My life insurance has paid for my apartment to be paid off, so Annabelle would always have a safe place. You know, I, I don't know. Annabelle would either go to my mother-in-law or she would go to a, a very, very close friend of mine. We've had some talks. So she'd be well and truly cared for. I mean, when I thought I was going to die, I thought I would have to go and... Set up, <laughs> set up Annabelle's bedroom in someone else's house, Aww. you know, a friend of mine, going, okay, let's take her things and, and set you up because you're going to have a new money now. <laughs> That's not going to happen. No, it's and not. I'm, I'm scared and you're crying and I'm <laughs> crying. I can, just, I can just see Annabelle's bedroom. It's like, okay, I'm going to have to take her duvet and her clothes and let's put some painting on the wall and make it your bedroom but in someone else's house where that be grandma's house. Because I think that what you've said, you've said so many incredible things this whole chat but... I think that's the most, that's so human oh, and every man yeah. relates to, you know, that I mean, like it's hard for me to understand what you must be going through, but I can understand what it would be like setting up my son's room somewhere you else. You know, yeah, because <laughs> mum's yeah. not going to be here anymore. You know, can you imagine just, yeah, so I've, we've never had that conversation. I've never had to think past that. So, but I am very logical and if there were things that were going to happen, I'd have to do it. Oh, no, I don't want that cushion <laughs> there. No, no, no. You know, the, the, the gold dress is hung on the hook here. So, but I don't think like that anymore. Those are, those are last year's thoughts. That's, yeah. that's not going to happen to me. And that's, I think, that the power of the positive mind. When I go to Mexico, they say, you've come to us, Kate, with the mindset of what we've been trying to teach people for 20 years. Yeah. Cancer is not going to get me. There's absolutely no way in this world. And I, and I say that with confidence. It's not going to get me. Where would you be today, a year after your diagnosis, without that clinic in Mexico, do you think? I might be dead. I might be dead. I might be in a wheelchair. I, I don't know. I might, I'll might. be counting the days. I'll be looking at the calendar going, okay, well, ooh, you've got 12 months left at a maximum. I'd still be going to the hospital, you know, every month and sitting in the cancer ward and seeing all these poor people and thinking, okay, well, what's next? I'd probably still be drinking white wine, you know, every night and eating. And I've never eaten junk food in my life, but the food that I was eating, I'd eat chicken and salad, And but now I'm eating organically. I certainly don't drink white wine. I drink a bit of red, which I'm not supposed to do, but, you know, I am human. That's what I'd be doing. That's what I'd be doing. I'd be in a, not in a very positive place right now. Yeah. And what do you think in all of this has surprised you the most? Again, it's been the support, the encouragement, the gifts that we've been sent from around the world from people we've never met and I thought I'd never do that I'd never follow someone on Instagram and 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 send people gifts and then I went you know what maybe I would now so what I have been doing is 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 raising funds and doing charity work to help others get to this clinic in Mexico so through my store we've raised over ten thousand dollars unfortunately the tax man's onto it now and he thinks well Kate you've earned an extra ten thousand dollars and I'm like well hang on it's not for me but the way my business is set up, it looks like it's for me. So I've stopped that temporarily, but next year I will be starting a charity, a non-for-profit yeah. for giving back. The universe has given Annabelle and I so much, and our followers and our, and our friends have given us so much that I want to give back now. So I've even hosted talk nights at my shop for people with cancer who want to reach out. And a lot, you know, a lot of people say, hey, Kate, can I buy you green juice? Can I have half an hour of your time? Can we walk on the beach? 
I don't have time. I'm yeah. sorry. It's not that I don't want to. I do want to. I just don't have time. So I've opened up the store and said, hey, come on down and I'll give them all the information I've got. Of course, I have to cover myself and say, look, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a medical professional. I'm not an oncologist. I'm just telling you what I have done to save my life so far. I do want to go back one more one step when you were saying about your mentality and when you got to Mexico, they said, this is what we've been teaching people for yeah, yeah. X amount of years. How important do you think it is for anyone going through a tough time, not necessarily people going through cancer, to work on their mindset? Massively, massively. If I can, if I can teach anyone from my story, is work on the mindset. Your mentality does affect your physical health. We do know that. So we have to let go of a lot of a lot of shit, you know. We, we carry around a lot of baggage and a lot of regret and a lot of hate and a lot of resentment and he did this and this happened mm. and let it go, let it go. <laughs> You've got to let it go, you know, deal with it, move on. Next, next chapter. So it's imperative. So whether you can do that on your own, whether you need to go through some counselling, some healing, whatever it is, jump on board that because it will it will change your life for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And what are you most proud of? through all of this oh wow okay what am I so proud of well that's I mean that's hard because no one likes to blow their own trumpet, no one likes they? you know it's really funny no um, one likes to say that they're proud of themselves no they really don't mm. but I, I suppose I am proud yeah, I am sure. proud I did a little post this morning and, and, and I looked back a few months in June and it said look I really want to run a particular IV and I can't get it in Australia I said but just wait and I'll run it I sat here this morning I ran that IV so I've got you know I've gone overseas and I've got this product and I've got my illegal port running and I've been taught by some nurses on how to run these IVs and I said you know what I'm just going to do it myself and I sat in I thought I did I actually cried with with pride actually I have to say I, I went you know what this is a proud moment because it said I can't do this yet but watch this space I'm going to do it and here I am today doing it so I am proud of of how far I've come I'm proud of uh, leading a better lifestyle for Annabelle you know more happiness more smiles less alcohol less you know it's just positivity yeah because when you know one day she will know what you have gone through in oh. these years what yeah. do you, how do you want her to reflect on her childhood with you and want, as you I as her, her mother? To, I want her to no, no, have absolutely no idea. You know, maybe when she's 10 or when she's 12, I'm going to sit down and I plan on printing all our photos from Instagram into a chat book and sitting down and going, look, look, kid, I've got something to tell you and here you go. And that's going to be, a, you know, an, an amazing time for us. But I want her just to remember the fun times. You know, we go to the park, we go on holidays, we go camping, we, you know, whatever it is, it's fun. And I say, what do you want to do that's fun today? And she'll say, right, I want to go on a bike ride. You know, she's travelled the world with me. She's travelled to Mexico and Bali and London and London and she loves that. So I want her to remember the fun times and the banter and the, she's got a wicked sense of humour. For a three-year-old, she's got a wicked... I wonder where she got I've that got from. I've got no idea. <laughs> I've got no idea. But she's just funny and we laugh and we connect and we communicate. So that's what she needs to remember. Can you imagine what kind of woman she's going to be if she had a mum that's this determined oh, and this much oh. of a powerhouse? Look, I haven't even thought that far. I can't, I can't picture her past three, you know, although she turns four in a couple of weeks. Last last year, I was actually sadly in Mexico for her third birthday. I almost stopped me going. I, oh, I, can, I, cannot, I only imagine. I cannot miss her birthday. So, yeah. as a, as a family, we collectively said, you know what? Let's push it back five days. I don't know. So this trip, I'll be back just in time. I can picture as a four-year-old. I can't picture as an adult. No way. <laughs> She'll be a force. So I know that. I know that. And you, as you said, you're going to Mexico again. What do you? What are the words you're you're imagining that you're going to hear when you're back oh. here after that trip? November, December. Look, the words in, in cancer land we're all gunning for is N-E-D, no evidence of disease. As I mentioned before, we don't say cancer-free because cancer can always, but we say no evidence of disease. And I'm going to hear those words. 
And ideally, I'm going to be hearing them very soon. I want I want that more than anything to hear that this year, just because I can then go, you know what, stick my finger up to the medical industry to, for, for saying that there's nothing could be done. But in saying that, I thank those people on that day. I thank the GP and the oncologist and the radiologist and the lung specialist because they gave me such a horrific prognosis. It made me go somewhere else. Mm. If they said, oh, things aren't good and, you know, well, let's try a few things, I might not have had that that bulldog mentality, that pit bull mentality. But as it was, they pushed me to do something very radical, which I've done. So I'm very, although I, you know, I stick my fingers up them behind the scene and, oh, because they've never, they've never, I had one independent doctor who said, wow, this is, this is amazing. But every other one still says, no, you're going to die. Mm, they're still, oh. you know, they're still not recognising the work I've put in. They never say, gosh, don't you look well? Or mm. how's that beautiful little girl of yours? Yeah. Wow, what have you been doing the last few months? They, they're, just, they're, they're, they're the poo-pooers, they're the naysayers. So I thank them for what, for what they did. But, yeah, I'm gunning for N-E-D. That's what we want. Yeah, absolutely. And what are the lessons do you think that you've learnt within all of this? Oh, gosh, where to start? I mean, that we've already talked about forgiveness and, you know, being nice to thy neighbour and doing all that and being nice to other people. We don't know what struggles other people are going through. We've all been through something. But a really big one for me would be not to hand away your independence and responsibility. If I'd listened to those doctors on that day, I might not be here now. So, you know, if someone says, look, you're in a health crisis and, you know, you may not have long or this is going to happen, just hold fire, just hang fire, maybe ask some other questions, maybe go a different angle. Don't hand the power to somebody else. I've always kept that power. I feel I'm responsible for me now. It's not the medical industry. I'm winning the fight. I'm making you know my, my myself healthy. It's it, it's not them. So don't don't hand over the power. Did they suggest chemo or radiation? And so, have you done anything like that? Look, I, I had radiation, but it was only for I keep being offered palliative care. That's what they <laughs> even from the day dot they said we well, you know we know it's not a nice word, but we'll get you some palliative care. So palliative care radiation because I had cancer in my hip. That was one of the places it was sore. So I had radiation on my hip. I should never have done it. I don't think it it, it did me well at all. It made me very very sick. Chemo wasn't offered because I'm on this oral targeted therapy I mean I was ready for chemo I mean I wasn't I'm not people say oh you're such a um, trailblazer and you've done this no 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 I'm not anti the establishment I'm not anti you would have done it if they told you to do it absolutely I'd grab it by the horns I thought okay so I'm going to go from long hair to a bob to short hair to have a shaved head I'd already thought about it and already sort of g'd up the hairdresser to make that happen for me and whatever you tell me I'm going to do but when you say we can't do anything yeah it's been the biggest blessing, really, in this whole chapter. It's been the biggest, biggest blessing. Your tenacity is just infectious. No. I, just, I just feel like leaving here and going, I don't know, running a marathon or something. I'm a terrible run of it. I don't know. I just feel like I can do anything. In you, your can, you, you know what? You can do anything. I'm proving that. And again, that's that's why I want want this story out there. I want people to know about right like a griffin rising from the like a phoenix, phoenix rising from the, you know i was i was it was almost dead. i mean i was at a point i could hardly walk i went to buy a segway you know one of those things you a wheelie thing i, I thought i'm not having i'm not having a wheelchair but i went to buy a segway because i couldn't walk yeah um and now i'm you know i'm going to the gym i did two classes back to back yesterday um so, i didn't even do that <laughs> do you know what yeah 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 there's there's no stopping me and how has the Kate sitting in front of me right now changed or maybe not changed, I'm not sure, from Kate pre-diagnosis? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, this Kate is much, much nicer, Kate. <laughs> I was just talking to a friend of mine on the phone and I said, oh, and I do this and I do that. I'm doing charity work. He goes, oh, you're not an arsehole anymore. Then I said, no, <laughs> I'm much nicer. I'm more forgiving. I'm much happier. I'm more positive. My outlook has changed. I'm all about, you know, I only hang with happy, fun people. If you're not happy and fun, Get off my road, do you know what I mean? Get out of the way. So 
I choose my friends wisely. And honestly, I, life's a blessing. I feel, I feel, I don't want to say I feel blessed I got cancer. I'm not blessed that I got cancer, but I feel I'm blessed to have been put on this path, to have made the friends I've made, the connections I've made, to, yeah, to be just living a happier, healthier life, my little girl. What would you say to people that are listening that are going through a tough time of any kind then? What's your advice? Work out what, what makes you happy. Work out why you're here. You know, are you here for you? Are you here for a child? Are you here for a lover, a husband, a partner? And w- draw happiness from that. Think about the positives you've got. Yeah, we've all gone through crap. We've all gone through a horrible situation. No matter how big or how small, it's not one person on this planet that hasn't. That could be, you know, crashing your car or breaking your toe. Whatever it is can be so small. But think of the positives and think of the future and set goals. The clinic, I'm actually, um, I've made good friends with the clinic and one of the owners, uh, there's a husband and wife owner. She's actually going to come to Morocco with me next year. And she said, I can't believe you're actually planning holidays next year. She said, people with stage four terminal cancer, they don't do that. And I said, bloody hell, I do. I do. You know, I'm already thinking of the, the, the beach house I want to buy and the, you know, the jet skis and whatever it is. I'm looking to the future. So don't look back. That's, that's yesterday. Look forward. Keeping on that then, if you could go back... Just for a second to yes. the Kate who I think you've said the hardest time in your life is was leaving your husband. Yes. The darkest, worst time in your life. What would this Kate tell that one? Oh. Yeah, there's, there's brighter days ahead. There's brighter days ahead and you'll be just fine. <laughs> Can you stop making me cry? I've become a whole sook throughout all this. You know, things that are sad made me cry, things that are happy made me cry. I just cry because it's, it's Thursday. But, yeah, 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 it would be that there are brighter days ahead. Be strong, keep your thoughts positive, and, and you'll be just fine. I think that's an absolutely beautiful note to end that on. Thank, Thank you so you. much, Kate. Oh, You're my pleasure. incredible. And I my so pleasure. many people get so much listening to this. I hope so. I, I couldn't so. be more thankful for you making time for me today. Thank you. Thank you. Well, thank you so very much, guys, for listening once again. I hope you enjoyed this chat with Kate and got as much out of it as I did. I want to thank her so much for giving up her time. She truly is an inspiration in every sense of the word. I'm sure you will agree. If you want to follow her journey, you can check her out at its underscore not underscore Kate's underscore time on Instagram. As always, you can connect with me at Bambi and Baby underscore. And if you're loving Lemonade, please hit subscribe so you can keep up to date with each episode. And if you would be so kind as to leave a review, hit five stars and perhaps even tell your friends about my little podcast, I would be so appreciative. Let's do it all again next Monday. Until then, chat soon. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.